We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Eggman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. He steps up, throws for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater. Throw into the end zone. Touchdown. Samuel still on his feet. Inside the five. To the end zone. Touchdown. What a play. And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. He is McCaffrey. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. Keep pounding on three. One, two, three. Keep pounding. Okay, welcome to another episode of The Roar Podcast brought to you by Blue Wire. And to help me preview the Arizona Cardinals for this upcoming week, I have my good friend Blake Murphy. You can find him on Twitter at BlakeMurphy7. He writes for Revenge of the Birds and does also does podcasts for their website. They are the SB Nation affiliate for the Arizona Cardinals. Blake, how are you? Uh, doing good, Billy. Good to be on. And it's good to, I think when uh, you reached out to me, I was like, hey, we're, we're glad to add another chapter to this kind of strange rivalry between the Cardinals and the Panthers. There's been a lot of back and forth, it feels like, uh, over the years, especially since 2008 to uh, the 2020 season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, the Cardinals really came into sort of my life, you know, more frequently in 2008. Uh, because of that playoff game and all the subsequent battles they've gone back and forth, uh, especially in the playoffs in 2015. Um, But this Cardinals team is really interesting to me. And I'm, you know, you know, I'm a huge Kyler Murray fan and I I always love watching him. I was a huge fan of his at Oklahoma. So, but they are two and one. They, you know, played pretty well the first two weeks. Last week, they kind of laid an egg against, I don't know, and a below average Lions team. It was a weird game. Uh, what went wrong last week? Yeah, if you look at the box score of the game overall, it looks like it would be a pretty successful game for the Cardinals on offense. They didn't run the ball especially like well, but they were efficient. They uh, had three touchdowns on offense, but they didn't force any turnovers. And the big thing kind of came down to 
Uh, Murray had three picks in the game. One of them he's hit as he threw. The other two were terrible decisions, and mm-hmm. it kind of slowed their offense enough that when they had a chance late game, they had uh, two kind of missed throws, one dropped, one that was a miscommunication. Lions took over with four minutes left and did what they did and drove down and got a touchdown. It was kind of the the first game overall, at least, where the Cardinals looked a little bit like that 2019 defense where they gave up a late score at the end of the half to the Lions and then another late uh, field goal. And when you look at the 10 points off of turnovers, that really was the game overall for Arizona. It was a lot of that was you can say, yeah, the defense maybe didn't make a play and Kyler made two bad ones. And that kind of shows sometimes when you're in the NFL, the margin can be razor thin. So a lot of Cardinals fans, I think, went a little over the top. There was a whole bunch of talk of potentially starting 5-0. and And I think that a lot of fans were getting a bit big for their britches overlooking the Lions is another aspect as well. So give them credit. Matt Patricia came out with a good enough game plan. He was able to get some turnovers. And I think the big question will be how Arizona will be able to bounce back, especially since they may have their two starting safeties, uh, not just one down for uh, this game and potentially down to their fourth and fifth guys on the depth charts. So that's going to be something we can discuss about uh, how a quarterback like Teddy, who's been uh, pretty efficient throwing the deep ball, might be able to take advantage of that. Sure. Yeah, I definitely want to get to that in, in a second here. But I want to stick with the offense because I, I did rewatch um, the game last week, and, and there were a few other throws that Kyler nearly got intercepted. I mean, one of the safeties of the Lions just, I think, Jaron Harmon just flat out like dropped it. Uh, it was like a you know, deep in route in the middle of the field. And uh, I think he just misfired. But what's been interesting about Murray this year is despite, you know, his passing being a little lackluster at this stage, he's been a, an incredibly efficient runner and he's always been a good runner, but now he's been being able to kind of change speeds and really like manipulate defenders in the open field. It's been exciting to watch. Like what kind of element you know, has he added you know, to that part of his game? Yeah, I think that the level of comfort that Kyler has this year as far as the speed of NFL defenders and knowing um, when to bail the pocket, uh, he also, I think, has kind of figured out that in order to not take negative plays, last year there was a lot of times during the Panthers where he would just try to scramble around behind the line of scrimmage looking to throw. Some of that potentially may have been the trying to shed some of the you know scrambling quarterback or a running quarterback first type of image now he's kind of seen at least as far as uh you know if the team rushes four and he looks and sees man coverage down the field and he's like hey no one's got me he can just kind of bail out through the back end and kind of pick up some yards uh and get out of bounds and last year he was in an opera he was in spots where um you know he would kind of end up uh trying to avoid taking hits or figuring out you know what's going to be the case this year his comfort level is a lot higher uh the area it's paid off the most has been in the red zone uh, so far, he at least has uh, four rushing touchdowns this year uh, into the red zone, uh, which is crazy when you consider, I think that seven is like the NFL record. He seems like he's on pace to break that potentially. Uh, that uh, alone is for the fact of where you can see a lot of the speed plus the elusiveness. Uh, you look at the play from last week against Jeff Okuda, the Lions had set it up perfectly as far as the, the scrape exchange. Okuda was there with Murray one-on-one in open space to contain him. And Kyler just kind of put on a quick move and then jetted to the outside. And it was just that type of elusiveness. Um, it's something that's very deadly. And it was one of the areas that in the red zone has been a, a little bit of a surprise. We thought that there'd be a lot more passes to either a big tight end or to DeAndre Hopkins. And instead, it seems the Cardinals have been able to kind of use his legs almost as like kind of a cheat code to say, hey, like, you know, we get this guy matched up. It's really going to be hard for people to uh, – to stop him one-on-one in open field. He's made a couple of guys like Landon Collins and Troy Abke absolutely look embarrassing on film this year. Yeah, definitely. So would you say that the majority of these runs are coming off designed plays or are they scrambles? How do you, what's the balance like? Yeah. And uh, there's been kind of not really, there's been definitely designed plays that they've run. Like there was a play that Cliff designed earlier this year where essentially it was kind of like your typical run play. And then it shifted to where the running back essentially was kind of went up the middle, but then became a blocker for Kyler downfield. So there've been some design runs and draws that you can see have been all the way, but there's a couple of times where you can see just that he's, uh, especially on when he gets blitzed. Uh, Cause when he's being blitzed, at least for that one, if there's any type of guy who misses him for that one, um, 
he's either going to hit the hot route at least if he sees it come open or if he's like, hey, they're blitzing me off heavy to the right-hand side. He just kind of scrambles out the back door to the left and there's no one there. So some of them at least have been kind of really good judgment calls by Kyler to kind of just be able to start using those legs. Uh, the biggest difference overall that their offense has had this year is that they didn't have anyone last year like DeAndre Hopkins who can get open at will against man coverage. They did not have really good outside receivers at all last year. Uh, you know, Christian Kirk is kind of the best that they had, and he's more of probably a slot guy who's having to play outside. And you got Fitzgerald, who's been used kind of in a weird way, like a de facto tight end in a lot of ways, as far as being able to actually having to stay in and block at times. And other times running kind of more of that possession wide receiver route. Uh, having a guy like Hopkins, at least overall, has just been lethal. And you can kind of see that through the statistics. Hopkins, I believe, is um, currently he's like uh, grading out as the highest graded wide receiver in the league. And he's doing incredible as far as for like he's I think he's on pace for like some 2000 yards which is like ridiculous as far as a receiver goes but <laughs> yeah. um the problem of course is that the rest of Arizona's wide receivers um have just not been performing up to par for the most part of the year Christian Kirk I think a lot of people had high expectations some some Cardinals fans were a bit cautious about you know having him be kind of the uh, the de facto number two and Overall, right now, Mark Hopkins kind of catching almost, it seems like, some like 30 to 40% of Murray's targets. It's kind of like, oh, he's going to who he has right now. And some of that just shows how good Hopkins is. And that still is one of those crazy trades that stands out. On the other hand, it does at least show that um, the Cardinals' offense is still a little bit more of a work in progress than I think some people were thinking. Some of that, I think, is coming down to the talent level. Some of it, I think, is that the running game hasn't fully picked up Kenyon Drake at an ankle injury in camp and uh, seems like he may have not gotten the same kind of elite burst that he was showing at the end of last season where he looked like a special player in the offense um, but overall it's still been an incredibly productive offense for the first three weeks and the offense despite having a couple of hiccups here and there is still top 10 as far as yards go in the NFL and uh, that's something at least that's, you know, what a lot of people are hoping for the Cardinals to take a leap from where they were at last year from, and then another leap from 2018 when they were the worst ranked offensive unit in the NFL. So far it shows just what a good play caller and uh, how a good quarterback can turn your team around pretty quickly. Yeah, sure. So I want to stick actually to the passing offense. Overall, Arizona's ranked 24th according to DVOA in offense, but their passing offense is 25th. Um, you know, however, their run off, rush offense is top 10. It's seventh. And last year, the Cardinals had a really good uh, rushing offense, too. But I want to stick to the pass offense because you did bring up Hopkins. But you know, a few other players that have caught my eye, um, Isabella has been pretty good to start the year. And I'm, I'm not sure what type of expectations are being placed on him. Um, but what have you seen from him and uh, another guy, Keyshawn Johnson? Because I think they were, they're both second-year players, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Kyler's at a comfort level with Keyshawn. I think one of the draft uh, things that was graded on Kyler coming out was he was a lot more comfortable with being kind of a boundary thrower where he'd throw to the outside wide receivers, whereas usually you kind of would hit the uh, either tight ends on seam routes, which he actually has missed one or two of those throws. He's overthrown a bit this year. Um, but he would kind of be much more comfortable using that strong arm and taking advantage of one-on-one -on -one, uh, matchups on the outside which it makes sense if you're a quarterback like him who tries to avoid um, taking risks at times uh, it's not like he's completely risk averse but he just knows kind of that he's trained to you know get down versus taking a big hit or getting out of bounds versus trying to stay in bounds and pick up a few more yards it's just naturally who he is uh, so he in that case prefers a lot of the outside receivers and where Keyshawn has struggled is that Keyshawn has uh, built up some rapport with him from the rookie year but has really struggled as far as being able to separate or get open. Um, some of what I've seen also, there have been a couple of drops that he's had. He's just kind of not really as much of a uh, – he's much more of that kind of like a, a route-running guy who he has to kind of separate through uh, routes and then sometimes being able to leap for the ball. And he just has not – well, he was a sixth-round pick to begin with. Uh, the athleticism that he possesses is probably not anything more than maybe like a wide receiver four for the most part. But because Kyler's comfortable throwing to more of the outside guys and he's got a rapport with them, he got a lot of targets, I think, overall. Uh, and when he was actually benched last year and Demir Bird, who was more of a speedster, came in, the offense actually 
picked up a peg um, because there was a lot more completions. Bird was able to get more separation on both slant routes. Um, that's where Indy Isabella kind of comes in, and we'll see if they're able to build a much bigger rapport. Uh, Isabella didn't really practice with any of the ones last year. He had a huge uh, comfort level as far as for being able to get used to the NFL speed. Uh, they wanted to instruct him to be less of a body catcher, to have a lot more as far as the nuance in his route running. Uh, and so this year, he's kind of taken over a little bit of some of the snaps from Christian Kirk, and he's impressed whenever he's in there. He's been able to show the teams are having to treat him like a legit speed threat. He's able to get open and a lot more confidence in his hands. Uh, there is a, a couple of passes in the Lions game. Uh, you can see that Kyler like threw a gorgeous touchdown that was right to the corner of the end zone. It was a perfect route that was run, perfect throw. And another catch that was against the Washington football team earlier was like behind his body for the most part. And the old Andy probably would have tried to reach out with one hand and kind of try to corral it in. And maybe it would have, you know, been an incompletion or at worst may have been bottled up for a pick, but instead the new one kind of like reached out instinctively, secured it with both hands, turned up fields, able to pick up the 12 yard gain. I think it just kind of shows at least that whenever there's a dominant trait that you have that you can take advantage of, and when you're a guy like Isabella who, you know, produced as he did in college, making use of a lot of that speed, uh, sometimes you kind of have to be able to find more ways to get those guys onto the field. So uh, I think we'll be interested to see um, just kind of how they do it with if Christian Kirk is, and I'm, I'm expecting that he'll be out, but we'll see. But I think that they'll try to work Isabella in a bit more. The Some of the reason they haven't is because they still view him mostly as a slot guy in Arizona. So sometimes in those three wide receiver sets, he's not necessarily the guy out there. So it'll, It'll be interesting to see what they'll do as far as for the snap count so far. But uh, for the most part, this offense still seems to run through a lot of Hopkins, um, still a, a bit through Fitzgerald, and then, of course, um, Kyler making plays with his arm and his legs. Yeah, for sure. And uh, another area you want to look at here is the offensive line, which is held up reasonably okay this year. Uh, I mean, certainly the investment into the line has uh, maybe been a little questionable, but – I don't think you can deny the talent of some of these players either. What has been your assessment three games in into how they're performing? Yeah, the standout this year is that uh, left guard Justin Pugh is probably playing the best of his career so far. Uh, he's just been phenomenal in pass protection so far. You've been able to yeah. kind of see the Cardinals. They invested quite a bit in him. He even bounced out at one point to right tackle last year and was injured and out for the 2018 season. He's finally kind of seemed to come into his own, has done – reasonably well as far as in the run blocking they did re-sign dj humphrey so i know some panthers fans i talked to were viewing him potentially as a targeted offensive tackle before the uh, russell okung deal uh, he, he's kind of one of those players who he's good enough to be left in one-on-one -on -one with pass rushers but not good enough to be left there all the time and that's been kind of something at least with the cardinals where they worked in more tight ends and tight end help uh, when you watch the first game the Cardinals uh, didn't have any sacks that were recorded by Nick Bosa but there were times that Humphrey was pretty easily beaten was able to make an effect off of the game uh, that'll be something to see that uh, with that matchup against Brian Burns mm -hmm. uh, but Kelvin Beecham has been the biggest upgrade they made they took Justin Murray who is kind of a journeyman right tackle and they want him to be more of like their swing tackle slash uh, offensive lineman they've got him playing on the interior for a few snaps now against uh kind of give Pew a spell. Uh, Beecham, at least, has overall been so solid in pass protection that it's really helped the team to be able to um, kind of be able to secure without – at least being able to kind of have the edges locked down just enough where Kyler's not having to watch his back um, pretty much every play, which there were issues where if you watch the 2019 tape, you know, if Murray wasn't getting beat on a play, it seemed like Humphreys was at times, and that was where a lot of the sacks were coming from. Now it seems like things have been stabilized enough. Uh, the one guy who's not been playing well, at least, has been uh, the right guard, uh, J.R. Sweezy. He's been probably one of the lower performers that they've seen so far. Um, when Justin Murray came into the game, some of us were like, oh, is he replacing Sweezy like, permanently? Is this kind of a thing? And then they swapped them back out and uh, put Sweezy back in there. It's like, oh, it's just for a spell. I, I do wonder if that will be a move that they'll consider or try out if the performance seems to lag moving on. Um, with their starting center going out, Lamont Gallier has been a nice surprise. Uh, that's the one thing, at least, that's been 
good is to be able to see there's been a couple of times in pass protection he's whiffed. But when you're talking about a sixth round pick who hasn't hadn't played at all for the most part last year coming in and being able to man the center spot pretty well with their starter out, you can't really complain there. He's looked like he's a, a player that they've at least hit on. And it's a good thing that they've had at least enough depth now on the offensive line that before, if a player went out injured, it was like the Cardinals would just completely crumble. And <laughs> now it seems like they're actually stable as far as that, where maybe they're not, you know, there's not the Indianapolis Colts line or anything, but they are at least going to be a competent NFL offensive line, which is, you know, miles ahead of what they've had in Arizona over the last few years. Yeah, for sure. So this is going to be actually an interesting matchup because the Panthers' defensive line outside of Brian Burns is probably not the best at rushing the passer. Uh, so just last week, they got their first sacks of the season. But, you know, I, I know sacks are a little fickle as far as using as a um, pass rushing metric. I like to look at pressures and hurries and hits and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, even prior to the last week, it, it still wasn't great. So we'll see if they can kind of scheme up a pass rush against them. I mean, Derek Brown is, you know, obviously the, the main uh, point of attraction for a lot of fans because they're top 10 pick uh, but overall he's struggled a little bit rushing the passer but I would say he's done a better job now of uh, really containing the run and given that the Cardinals strength is uh, running the ball running the football I, I think that he can you know, sort of make a difference and kind of contain the line of scrimmage but um, now that I bring it up you know as far as their running game what type of concepts are you seeing from – is it a lot of, like, zone and perimeter concepts? or Do they like to run some inside zone or power and gap schemes? Yeah, they are much more of a power team, but you'll still see a lot of inside zone that will pop up. Cliff is very diverse in what he'll choose for run calls. The biggest thing that we've seen so far this year is with starting tight end Max Williams being out and injured, uh, they've been more reticent to kind of use some more of those types of, especially blocks in the outside or getting guys um, kind of in the downfield. There is a, a great cut black run that Kenyon Drake had against the Lions that was later in the game and the Cardinals weren't able to kind of take advantage of that run on that final drive. Uh, they ended up punting it back to the Lions with about four minutes left. Uh, but that was one of the biggest things as far as Williams is one of their strongest players that they had last year in terms of being so reliable in the run game and in pass protection game. Um, they didn't have many receivers at tight end this year. They actually have a competent one at uh, with Dan Arnold, who uh, he's probably going to get maybe two or three catches a game, maybe four or five targets at most, but uh, he's at least been solid enough to the point where they're able to kind of uh, either flex him out or be able to rely on him. Um, with some of those kind of more seam concepts uh, or in some cases even uh, some comeback routes where he's just able to kind of shed a DB and be able to push for the for the tight end. So as far as in the run game goes, because Williams is missing, uh, we've kind of seen a lot more of them try to uh, get more design runs for Kyler have stood out as far as their, um, their big plays. Now, Kenyon Drake has still been averaging, I think, at least um, four, if not five yards a carry in the game. Um, they're still making use a lot of being able to run some of the RPOs to kind of either freeze a defender or they're able to have some types of um, uh, the, the way you can kind of look at it is with the 12 personnel that they'll have. Uh, they'll be able to run kind of that inside zone, but Cliff is really likes as far as being able to actually like go and run those power and they have not been able right. to do that very well without Max Williams there. They just, they don't have a blocker that was like him. So and then times they may try to bring in an extra lineman. And when they do that, though, it's like you're kind of telegraphing run. Uh, last year, they did not have to. And that was one where the Cardinals offense really took off was when they got to get into that 12 personnel look. And then they got to be able to kind of run the ball out of that. And then you got to then see some of these play fakes that then were able to get a guy like Fitzgerald, at least, who's slower in his old age, but he's able to get open. That was kind of where the Cardinals were doing their best. You can look back at the Browns game in 2015 last year. Um, to be able to see kind of what some of that offense looked like in action. This year they've been doing a bit more of the 11 personnel that you could say as far as their looks. And they've, honestly, the passing attack, surprisingly at least, has been, uh, like you said, a little bit more subpar <laughs> compared to what they've done as far as the running efficiency. And a lot of people are like, hey, like, are they going to run the ball a bit more? And I, I just wonder if they're not going to as much until – 
they get Williams back versus like, you know, the typical ideas, oh, well, you're not winning games and your running game is going well at five yards per year, just run the ball more. And I, that's usually statistically not exactly how it goes with how defenses will play. But it will be something to see against this Panthers team, which is like the Lions, not great against the run. And we'll see if the Cardinals try to end up uh, moving a little bit away from the pass and try to scheme up a, a run or two more at least that'll be able to help with Kenyon Drake and uh, Chase Edmonds is the other guy who he even technically got the start last week um, he's probably the best inside zone runner they have on the team but he also is a passing threat receive uh, in, as far as receiving uh, he's become Kyler's favorite check down guy and there was a play he nearly scored on last week that was uh, kind of a uh, it wasn't quite a double mesh the way you describe it was he kind of had two wide receivers coming over on the mesh concept versus your typical one and he had the running back going the opposite way he was just able to get the back wide open in the passing game um, I, I think that some of those plays at least for that one are you can kind of almost call them like a rush play because all you're doing basically is taking a super easy pass play that's able to pick up a huge chunk of yards <laughs> right off of a uh, getting a guy wide open for design like that to get your running back in space. So uh, that's some, one of the things that at least that Cliff Kingsbury's had. Uh, there's been some questionable calls some people have seen, but a lot of the times at least that's going to be um, what you're looking for is uh, going to be trying that combination of using Kyler's legs to try to keep defenses honest. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating because I don't think the Panthers have great speed, you know, at the second level outside of maybe Jeremy Chin. Um, who's played pretty well, and I know some of the grading from PFF will tell you otherwise. And um, obviously, I respect what they're saying. I think in coverage, he's having a little more issues, but his tackling uh, for a rookie is pretty good. So, so yeah, I mean that's going to be interesting to to kind of see how it plays out because I do expect the Cardinals to do a little better than the Chargers did. I mean, the Chargers, their biggest issues last week were just you know, kicking themselves in the foot. I mean, Herbert played pretty well, uh, but at the worst times, the Chargers just turned the ball over or they got silly penalties. So they did pretty much everything possible to lose that game. I expect the Cardinals to play much more cleaner on offense. Yeah, the uh, it was like you said, was shooting yourselves in the foot. The Cardinals did have a lot of that with penalties and other things that were drive killers. Uh, one of the things that Kyler did also was there were times where he had uh, – was kind of got a little bit too um, not not trigger happy isn't the word but he had a like intentional grounding penalty where he just kind of threw the ball deep from the pocket kind of sensed the rush it was some of that self-protection uh, kicked in but there wasn't a receiver in the area and that's kind of been a, a weird trend we've seen at least once per game over the past three weeks not sure if it's a receiver miscommunication where he expected someone to be there or he just threw it deep was hoping that someone was going to be on that side but um, that's where I think the uh, as far as the Cardinals go and the Panthers a lot of that shooting yourselves in the foot type of mentality is going to be uh, interesting with having this Cardinals offense that's you know productive but still kind of finding itself a little bit and still going through some drive spells against a young Panthers team that has got talent but a lot of that is just it's young talent when you're looking across the board there's so many rookies that you guys have lined up it's similar in that aspect to the 2019 Cardinals defense that um, you're just kind of relying on guys who aren't going to be able to be completely solid every single snap. There's going to be a growing and learning curve. And so I think that's going to be one of the interesting things to see if, um, if the Cardinals can take advantage uh, of the Panthers, at least on that offensive side. And most people are expecting a, a bounce back game from Kyler and are looking to see if they're going to try to kind of have a, a reinvested look at the running game. Whenever Cliff seemed to struggle last year, the Cardinals always seemed to bounce back in the next game and had kind of a renewed rushing assault. It seemed like that was a lot more of the, the team's identity in the end that they shaped you. It wouldn't shock me if they got back to that uh, for this game as well. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be pretty fascinating. So let's switch over to the defense now, and this is going to be another pretty interesting matchup because, you know, the Panthers, for all their – goodwill that they're getting um, offensively Joe Brady you know obviously he's like the wonder kid coming from LSU to the NFL their offense has been fine I mean the metrics don't certainly paint a pretty picture and I think that has to do with you know how they're operating because under Teddy Bridgewater's limitations so I don't know it's going to be pretty interesting to see what kind of game plan they can devise because when Teddy has actually rip the ball downfield and they scheme up, you know, plays that go longer than 10 yards. They actually aren't too bad at 
creating explosive plays. It's just they don't want to. Um, but let's get to your defense first because your defensive line is, you know, ha- has gone through some changes, you know, this offseason. You guys went out and gave Jordan Phillips a big contract, and I think he had a sack last week. And, you know, there were a few others I believe you guys brought in. Um, I mean, Chandler Jones is still there. Uh, Licky Fotu, excuse me, the rookie. I'm not sure if he's played any at all. But what – Corey Peters, that's right. He's been like a mainstay for you mm-hmm. guys for a while. How has this kind of front five performed so far? Yeah, they've, they've been an improvement from last year. Um, last year the Cardinals essentially only had Chandler Jones and Corey Peters – um, most of the season was spent wasting time with Terrell Suggs as far as the other uh, linebacker. Most of the time they'll bring four on the rush. Sometimes they'll bring five. And then there's other times they'll have a uh, cover zero blitz where essentially it'll just be man across the board, all out blitz. Usually those are um, telegraphed. There's kind of a weird call that the Cardinals did where they did blitz Patrick Peterson off of the edge in one of the last plays of the game, at least against the Lions. That ended up kind of being a costly play for them overall but uh, that's more of just the pass rush in general for their front for the improvement that we've seen uh, interestingly enough it's not been lucky foe too but more of a shard lawrence out of lsu who's been logging about a a quarter of the snaps Uh, he's been kind of the guy who's been backing up and rotating in with peters and the fact that peters at 34 years old has been able to stay fresher as a result has really helped him out he's got i think two sacks already on the year Uh, jordan phillips coming in was uh, a, a really big boost for the team because they're able to add someone who's got uh, athleticism at that size to be able to help get upfield. He's been able to get a lot of interior pressure that they just were not really getting last year unless Corey Peters was able to split a defender. Uh, what we've kind of seen this year that's been a little bit of a surprise is Chandler Jones has not gotten off to the same start that he normally has statistics-wise. His pressures are you know about regular, but the sack totals haven't been there. Um, and I think the reason why when you watch the film is that because the Cardinals actually have a legit other threats that are coming on um, either off of the edge or from up the middle, um, teams are still double teaming Chandler or chipping him and the other guys are still able to get through. The Cardinals are top 10 in the, I think they're actually top five right now, if I believe correctly, with 11 sacks through three games. Um, they're getting about three and a half, three and a half sacks a game right now, which is a um, big upgrade from where they were at last year. And it's not all Chandler Jones doing it. Um, that's been one of the things that's been interesting as far as for game planning against the Cardinals. Um, the bigger area that they kind of have more had struggles with, at least, has been um, honestly containing the run. They've not been a bad run defense, but they've still been able to get gashed for the most part. And that's kind of one of the things that was one of the matchup areas here was they were gashed by the running backs on the ground, and then they were gashed especially in the passing game where you'd have you know a, a check down to a running back uh, who'd be able to pick up, you know, some 30-plus yards or so at least. Now, granted, they did play a Kyle Shanahan and uh, Antonio Gibson in their first two games, so that had something to do with it. But um, right now, the front four is at least improved from last year, and it's going to be a tough matchup because the Panthers' offensive line it hasn't been, like, atrocious, but it has left stuff to be desired. And the fact that Russell Okung's been banged up, I know, has definitely had an impact on their team. Yeah, Okung, yeah, he was banged up last week. Uh, remains to be determined how well he – if he's ready to play on Sunday. I expect he will. Taylor Moton, uh, he plays on the right side, and he shut down Joey Bosa last week. He's been kind of one of the unheralded uh, players, you know, on their offense. But, you know, a controversial player that I think, um, you know, for at least for Carolina fans, they really wanted Isaiah Simmons last year, and obviously he went one pick later to you guys. Uh, he has struggled a little bit to start off the year. I know there were some other um, you know, people on draft Twitter who had different opinions on him. Uh, is this currently a situation where the player is still kind of getting the NFL speed under his feet? Or do you think that he's not being put in the right situations to succeed? Well, that's, that's, uh, that's tough to know, at least, when you're kind of three games in for a, a player. I know in the past, the Cardinals have had issues uh, with their guys that they draft hybrid linebackers like Dale Buchanan and Hassan Reddick, and then kind of move them out of their normal positions. From Buchanan went from strong safety to linebacker. And you got a 210-pound linebacker. That experiment worked for basically one season. 
Um, and then you had Hassan Reddick, who has actually kind of found a new niche in the Cardinals defense at the outside linebacker spot and kind of their Sam strong side role. Um, he's not having to line up on tight ends as much uh, as he was last year. Um, he's been able to get also uh, as far as rushing the passer off of the line. And that was his skill set as a defensive end in college. He just did not get into that spot for literally the first three years of his career. Uh, he bounced around from inside linebacker to went to edge as a rookie when Marcus Golden went out and just saw kind of a tumultuous time. And so there's been talk in Arizona. People wondered if Isaiah Simmons, uh, who's been learning more of the weak side linebacker position, if he was going to see time at safety. And we, we know at least that he's participated with the DBs in some drills in camp. We know that that's been the case. We know that they've wanted to kind of see him in that hybrid role on offense where you're able to move him around. But with the role of Devondre Campbell essentially kind of taking a, a huge weakness that the Cardinals had in covering athletic tight ends like the likes of uh, a George Kittle or even Logan Thomas, uh, he went and basically erased them as far as for just the coverage was completely uh, just kind of gone downfield. It was kind of surprising to see for a lot of Cardinals fans to look at the box and to be like, oh, wow, like unless teams are running a 12 personnel, two tight end set and then throwing to the second tight end, normally you'd just be, if you're a tight end, you know, you go out and you make uh, any quarterback look like Patrick Mahomes against your defense as long as a tight end is targeted. I think that's been a huge part of it is that I think that they do want to have um, Simmons be in that well linebacker role where he's able to kind of just be able to move around, make plays, and then be that kind of coverage guy. I've wondered if that's still the best strength for him. I think when you take a guy who uh, is able to play in multiple different, um, you know, defensive alignments and be able to use that speed, I think getting him away from the line um, and not having to necessarily like, you know, play a linebacker and run into all these run plays all over the time. I've wondered if he's more of a functional safety and if that may be a move that Arizona would be, looking to make um it's been kind of interesting to be able to see because you know when you're talking about a guy with that size and that speed who actually has instincts and coverage um that's sometimes usually where you, you like look at the comparisons or what he compared his own game to uh throwing tyron matthew tape at ellis you're like oh this guy looks like similar but just a bit bigger but because of that size you kind of throw him into a linebacker type role it's like oh i don't know if it's going to be the spot too if they're going to be able to unlock him in Vance's defense, but there have definitely been struggles. The Cardinals have wanted to kind of mix in these three linebacker looks and use Simmons. And so far, it just seems like he hasn't really fully gotten it yet, either in his role or has just been um, just too kind of inefficient. The biggest one that stands out was in the Niners game. Once they kind of replaced his role, for the most part, it seemed like the defense kind of picked up a bit. But he's been fine in the last two weeks. They've put him in on probably about 20% of the snaps. There was a huge run stop he had against the Washington football team and then another solid play against the Lions last week um, he's just not I think what happened is a lot of people expected him to be used like Jeremy Chin has been used in his role with Carolina with getting a huge number of snaps and a huge number of tackles uh, and instead it's been kind of a little bit flipped in that result where you know Simmons is the guy who's been kind of riding the bench behind and Chin is the guy who's looking like a, a potential defensive breakout player as a rookie yeah, I mean, Chin's coverage numbers are still a little less than ideal, in my opinion. So I'm not going to get too excited about him yet. I mean, they're, the thing about Chin is they're playing him in so many different positions that it's – I don't know if that's going to hurt or help his development. Uh, because personally, my opinion is that you should just focus on one or two instead of rotating him everywhere. But, yeah, that's the decision and uh, the outlook they have for him in the future. So – We'll, we'll see how that goes, but it's sticking with this matchup. You know, Carolina's strength, most notably, is certainly with their receivers. Uh, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and Robbie Anderson. And Anderson's been really good to start off this season, pretty dependable. Uh, I mean, he can go deep. He can win at the line of scrimmage to create separation quickly. What is Arizona's secondary like right now, and how do you expect them to create issues for these pass catchers? Yeah, the secondary for the most part with Arizona has been um, solid as far as where the Patrick Peterson, uh, he, he's been he's been in kind of an interesting, uh, interesting cat because he went from being a premier shutdown corner in the NFL to 
um, struggling in 2014. He was actually diagnosed with like di- diabetes in that aspect. It was crazy to see his weight balloon up where he just lost a step and then kind of gained it back. And then after the PED suspension that had to miss six games last season, he had a really slow kind of coming back to the field. And it wasn't really until the Browns game where he got an LSU matchup against uh, Odell Beckham that he kind of returned to form. Um, we're talking about a very different look at the season for Patrick Peterson. If he does truly get beaten by Kendrick Bourne in week one and the Cardinals lose that game, instead he ended up using some of that speed recovered, was able to break up the pass. Um, he's been kind of in a spot where he's always been great against the bigger and more physical receivers. It's really the guys who are much more of smaller and shiftier uh, players that have given him a little bit more trouble. You're looking at like Terry McLaurin last week had a touchdown uh, or two weeks ago, I should say had a touchdown on him. Um, the Cardinals chose not to match him up one-on-one on Kenny Galladay and their defense. They played a lot of zone and ended up getting burned as a result from it. Uh, it was interesting to see. I, I'm very curious to look at how he'll match up against the likes of Moore and Anderson since he's got the deep speed to keep up with Anderson. Um, he's never been the best guy as far as slant routes, which I could see Anderson being able to get a slant route taken um, for a good uh, for a good portion. And that's going to be something I, I hope would see in the Carolina game plan if I'm them. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see then when he matches up because Moore, Samuel, and Anderson are all very similar in terms of like the – they're kind of like the quintessential, almost you'd say air raid receivers in terms of it's not going to be beating you with the big strong on the outside, but by being able to use the their feet routes and trying to get yards after catch. I think that he'll be able to uh, handle them. It'll just really be interesting to see if they're going to keep him on one side or try to have him shadow someone like Anderson. Because if he shadows someone like Anderson, um, then that may be one of the aspects of the deep passing game that, you know, with Cardinal safeties, uh, I could see Vance Joseph playing a little bit more as far as for zone, trying to protect and not give up some of those big plays. That may be at least an impact on uh, Peterson for the most part. On the other side, at least, they've been kind of in a unique spot where Byron Murphy has, for the most part, been their second outside corner. And uh, he's been overall solid. Last year, he was probably one of the most burned corners. This year, he's been actually really solid overall in coverage. Um, the biggest downside is that he's had a couple of times he's gotten handsy. There's been a few uh, defensive back interferences, one that wiped out a, a Stafford interception last week. That was a pretty costly play by the end of the game. Uh, there's some of the calls that I think have been a little bit more of like, eh, but I didn't think it was as much of a holding or a pass interference call. But when the call is the call, then it doesn't matter, you know, whether it was a good call or not. You just got to have to deal with that. Uh, Drake Kirkpatrick's been a bit banged up, uh, but whenever they've kind of gone into this uh, nickel look, instead of staying on outside, they've moved Murphy into the nickel corner, and that's made Kirkpatrick the number two outside. That's kind of been the most uh, exploitable area of their uh, secondary for the most part as far as um, with some of the opposing passers, because Kirkpatrick at least has been okay, but he can still end up getting beat a couple of times, and we've seen that this year. Um, that's something at least that I do feel like might be a bit of a mismatch against with that either Samuel or Penny on Anderson could take advantage of, but it's not like he's a, a sieve over there. The Cardinals for the most part have been, um, pretty solid defensively in terms of it's a huge improvement in the past coverage from last year. Some of that is helpful when you got a better defensive line. Uh, it'll be curious to see without Buda Baker being that eraser on the back end, he's leading the team in tackles on defense. Um, and we don't know if he's going to play on Sunday. Some have said he's got to miss a week because he's getting his thumb uh, surgically repaired. There's others who are just saying, hey, this will wrap an extra title of one arm for that one, but he's still at least going to be good to go. We don't have any idea in Arizona. We're expecting this is the week that they'll have their fourth and fifth safety starting. Um, uh, he's not even being listed for the most part as like a game time decision. So we're guessing that's going to be the case. Um, So you're going to see the likes of Deontay Thompson, who's taking over much more of kind of that box safety role. And then they have Curtis Riley, who's the guy who's just off of the uh, another team's practice squad. He had a missed tackle last week (laughs) led to the Lions getting into field goal range and was basically the end of the game. So it'll be interesting to see if there'll be misses this week, if they'll actually play some of Simmons and kind of some of that safety role. And I do think, though, that Vance is going to try to protect the big plays from happening. And that result, there's going to probably be a lot of stuff that opens up underneath. And then it's going to be on Arizona's DBs to uh, to be able to tackle the guys like Samuel. So I would expect at least that to be a lot of the game plan, at least. And uh, 
that should at least help the Panthers be able to uh, get some yards, I think, logged up in this game. I don't know how much as far as we'll go for the deep plays or touchdowns, but I do feel like this is going to be a game where that there's going to be some opportunity with those safeties missing and playing guys back that if Teddy's able to see some of the guys in front and zone, he'll be able to get some of those throws. Yeah, sure. And and I, I certainly take that point because uh, many people, many Panthers fans will remember just last week, the Panthers had plenty of opportunities in uh, deep into Chargers territory and they just couldn't convert. They had to kick five field goals. So if that's the game plan that Vance Joseph and company are going to employ, then I think that plays into some of Carolina's weaknesses because right now, yeah. I mean, many people know Teddy Bridgewater struggles to really rip the ball and to, I wouldn't say struggles to throw the ball in the tight windows, but he doesn't have the arm strength to like, like a Mahomes or Kyler or even look like a Tannehill. He doesn't really, he can't just mm-hmm. rip the ball in, in between like multiple players. Uh, I mean, if you scheme something up, sure. He can, you know, take the available options, but I, I do think to what you said earlier, uh, he's going to be relying quite a bit on these drags and some of these check down options. And I don't expect his a dot, which is his average depth of target to be more than like five or six yards. Last week it was four. And this week the Cardinals are, you know, potentially going to, um, you know, offer some avenues underneath, which maybe increases it just a little bit, but not by much. So, Yeah. Yeah, I would say the the biggest weakness for Carolina is also one of Arizona's strengths, which is in the red zone defense. The Cardinals essentially had two Murray interceptions and in, uh, that were taken into Cardinals territory last week, and the Lions got into the red zone and did not score. The Cardinals' red zone defense has actually been very good this year, um, anywhere from both in the run game. They stopped the Niners on a fourth and goal uh, in the first game of the season. That was a huge turning point. And then later in the year, uh, they've had similar, at least, uh, strength in the red zone and stop. And that's been, I know, one of the weakest parts for the Panthers this season. So that was one of the things that's unfortunate with McCaffrey being out was like, you know, if you can get a play that's designed to get him with his speed to be able to kind of go and stretch and score. Uh, that's one of the spots, at least, I think Arizona is going to have a bit of an edge. Um, so we know the Panthers can move the ball, but being able to put it away and score, that, that's going to be, I think, difficult against this Cardinals team that has a very improved defense, and especially in kind of those short yardage situations, they've been they've done very well there. It's been over, overall kind of moving the ball in the middle of the field um, that they've kind of have struggled a little bit as far as um, – uh with some of those kind of clutch situations like the two-minute drill but overall like in terms of third down conversions entering the Lions game the Cardinals were the best team in the NFL on that they had obviously were facing a Dwayne Haskins (laughs) wide receiver less Jimmy Garoppolo but on third down they were just having guys who were being in the right place able to make plays on the ball uh, even though they're not getting those types of interceptions and turnovers which has been something that we've seen from the past few years from Arizona um, and that's something we'll see with Teddy Bridgewater, who I know had those two picks um, in the uh, uh, Tampa Bay game uh, that kind of seemed to seal their fate in that game. Uh, it'll be interesting yeah. to see because even if the Cardinals aren't able to force any turnovers, they're probably for sure going to be able to lock pretty well on third down, assuming that their safeties and that Vance doesn't get you know too cute and says, all right, we'll give up the third down, but we won't give up the 20-yard run. That was one of those cases of where we'll see just exactly how comfortable he feels with uh, – his defense and with these defensive backs this year. Cause last year he had no comfort level with them whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. So let's take a bigger look at this game. Uh, Kurt, you know, we here at um, blue wire are sponsored by bet online bet online currently has a game as uh, the Cardinals are a three point favorite earlier in the week. If you looked up on Sunday, uh, Arizona was favored by five and a half. So a lot of money coming in on the Panthers, um, which kind of makes sense. Five and a half, seemed a little too high i think this line plus carolina plus three seems right uh, for either side you know the cardinals are going to be traveling out in the east coast for an early start um how do you expect this game to play out what side would you probably take given those uh, given that line 
Yeah, given the line, I th- I think that that was the spot where when it was five and a half in the week, I think you would take the Panthers. And then I think the line moved because they took into account those uh, two safeties being out and how the Cardinals defense just didn't seem like they had adjusted at that point. I think when you take a look at how I think the game will play out, a lot of it will really just depend on the Panthers, I think, are going to have to be able to do what the Lions did last week, which is not make mistakes on offense and then be able to take advantage of – some of the scoring plays we've seen Kyler throw a few more, at least one interception per game so far this year, uh, either due to a bad decision or um, in the second game, there was some questions over whether Hopkins had ran the right route or not. And then taking advantage of that. And then the other side, at least I think it's going to be really hard for to be able to see the Panthers be able to kind of slow this Cardinals passing attack. Um, I it's, it's something at least where if the Cardinals are able to run the ball effectively and get into some of those third and short situations, that's where they really excel. The biggest area that they struggle for the most part is if they're not able to kind of capitalize on um, the first or the second downs. And for the most part, Cliff is a play caller. The, the issue that they had was more on um, kind of those three and out type of drives or when they would try to, you know, dial up at least a big play on second and nine and Kyler wasn't able to use his legs to pick up a down, that was where you saw some issues. I think that the Panthers are going to have to probably get a bit more complex in their defense, try to throw the young quarterback off, uh, and then keep him contained to the pocket. The Lions did a great job of it last week, where even though they weren't able to stop Murray in the Cardinals offense, they were at least able to get some turnovers, and that was the the point in the game. I, I don't think Kyler is going to be as likely this week to turn it over as much, though. Uh, So if I had to see the game playing out, I think that the Cardinals will be able to put up at least 30. I think that the Panthers, it could fluctuate between 17 or 24. The thing that I think would be interesting would be um, if the Cardinals end up getting enough to a a high enough amount, I would be curious if the, if Teddy could drive him down to a backdoor cover would be very interesting as far as like a real time way that it may play out. Um, Since the Cardinals, especially maybe say, all right, here we go. We're going to run some clock off and see how it goes. Really, the struggles that they had on the East Coast, for the most part, uh, we've seen them under Arians and Kingsbury especially um, do pretty well. They haven't done like where they're consistently winning over on those games in the East Coast, but that's also because they've not been consistently winning for the most part since 2016. Uh, I think that it'll be interesting to see how the team comes out because what we've noticed is that the first two games, they seem to be a bit sluggish, and then a special team's made a play in both of the first two games. That seemed to wake them up. Uh, I think that will be something to watch here is if the Cardinals are able to get kind of a big play early as a jolt and be able to get a lead. Uh, that, I think, will be helpful because if Kyler has to play from behind, we've seen he will go out there and go down and score and put up points for that aspect. Uh, it's just kind of a spot of where whenever the game feels like it's um, in hand for Arizona, they usually have had a history of letting teams get back in. So it wouldn't shock me if uh, Arizona is able to find some kind of big play. Some players are getting upset, feeling they shouldn't have lost. Someone makes a play early, one of those areas, and then kind of they get a lead and then maybe let up a little bit and let the team, uh, the Panthers, get back into it. That, that's kind of would seem to be the play for the most part. But at that point, it's really going to be interesting because, like we say, it's football. You never know what goes on. You sometimes have it where quarterback like Kyler Murray, who never throws picks, throws three in a week. And sometimes you'll have it where a uh, – you know, a team at least that seems to come out of the blue will be able to perform. I do feel like that the Cardinals are in a much better spot than the Panthers are, but this Panthers team is very, even in the way that their offense is built is very similar in some cases to the Cardinals offense of where those struggles is not in moving the ball. It's just in putting up points and scoring and they're not really getting blown out of games. It's just, they're not really being able to kind of make just enough plays to win them so far throughout this year outside of uh, their win last week. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, I think I would I would have definitely taken it at five and a half. I did get some, I did put some action on four and a half um, on Monday, uh, but at plus three, it's a little tricky. I do think there will be points in this game. Teddy has shown he can move the ball, and I don't expect that to change. And you know, it's funny that you know the Panthers have played two games now, and without McCaffrey in the line has either stayed the same or it's gone in their direction, which tells you the impact of a running back really not being able to create that much uncertainty in the market. So, yeah, I mean, Mike Davis, he played well last week. I don't think anyone denies that, you know, he's not better than McCaffrey. No one says otherwise, but um, it's just an interesting discussion point because there's already so much 
uh, talking points about the value of a running back in the running game. So for me, I, w- I would probably go Carolina plus three, but I do think the Cardinals should definitely be the favorite in this game. It's just always tough. You know, I've been watching teams from the West Coast come here and sometimes they start off really slow. The Raiders, to their credit, they came out here week one and started fast, but uh, there was some moments in the second half where they let Carolina back get in and made it a close game and they had to score a touchdown late in the fourth to pull away. So I'll probably take Carolina plus three, but I don't feel great about it. But yeah. I mean, regardless, it should be a pretty interesting game. Are there any For final me, I would say that, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like I would have the same too. And part of that's respect for where the Panthers are for the most part. I do think like there's a part of me in the back of my head that feels like this is one of those games where Kyler's going to be upset over the three interception goes out and kind of puts it all together. And then it gets a bit distant, but there's still enough of that we've seen from this Cardinals team where it's a good team, but they're still not in the area of a great team yet. And in that sense, unless they have like kind of a perfect game or put it all together at once on offense, it does feel like it's going to be a bit closer. So it's like, like you said, it'd be like a spot where you bet on it. You wouldn't feel as great about it. And then you might just be like, all right, I wasn't surprised. It turned into like Cardinals won by, you know, 10 points at the end for each of those things. It's like more, you know, if it came down to where it's like, eh, there's a field goal that decided it for that one is an East coast game. Cardinals are missing a safety. There's points in the game. It's like, it's kind of one of those games, like you said, that could go either way. It does seem like that the Cardinals right now, at least are in a better spot. So I think that as far as straight up, I would at least probably pick them. And I don't think that most people would differ with it. But like you said, it is one of those spots of when you're talking about uh, being able to make money off of this part in the NFL and how those works, it isn't really cut or dry for this one. And a lot of that shift I think does come from, lack of confidence in Arizona's fourth and fifth safeties. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame anyone for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. I mean, it should be a good game. Um, you know, Carolina, they, they play hard. I, I'll give them that. I mean, I know there's still some issues defensively and offensively. Special teams has done a little better. They had a nice uh, moment last week where they down the punt literally inside the one. So it's a team still coming together, new coach, but there's still a lot of question marks. So like I've said, I, I expect the Cardinals to come out hot. I think Kyler will also remember last year's game where he threw three or four interceptions. I, I can't remember, but that was Carolina's first win and Kyle Allen was the quarterback. I don't think Kyler, you know, I, I, I definitely know that he's not going to forget that. And I'm sure that he's, you know, has on his mind to, improve upon his performance last week so it's gonna be interesting um Blake do you have any final thoughts yeah I think in a lot of ways when you're looking at what the Panthers are doing you can kind of see all of the building blocks that are there it just hasn't kind of come together in a lot of ways yet Uh, the addition of Anderson as it seems like just as big of an impact on the Cardinals maybe not quite as big as Hopkins obviously but uh, it's kind of in a spot where you can see at least rules being able to put pieces together. I think a lot of it will just end up coming down to uh, figuring out who Teddy Bridgewater is this season, I think is going to be a huge aspect because he's going to probably face a, a really tough challenge in Arizona, especially if we end up in a spot where Chandler Jones ends up being in a, a place where he gets matched up and gets some favorable looks. Um, I think this is one of those different games where it's not going to be as easy as Arizona fans are hoping it will B, they kind of look at the schedule and see a one and two team. Uh, they're like, all right, we see if we can get through them, get to the Jets next week, hope that Adam Gase isn't fired until a week afterwards, um, and then try to gear up for the Cowboys game. But it's not going to be that simple. But on the other hand, it's tough because I do think that Arizona is just in a better spot as a team. And it's hard for me to see Kyler Murray um, going up in two winnable games and dropping two of them in a row. Uh, there would have to be a lot. I think that happens for the most part in each of those. So I would expect Arizona to kind of bounce back for the most part. Um, I will say at least I am expecting if Carolina's got any wits about them to look at Mike Davis in kind of the screen game. That's been Arizona's biggest weakness so far. So if there's PPR and other stuff like that one, that would be one of the uh, interesting plays. I'd start both Davis and I'd start um, uh, Kenyon Drake this week. I think that both could potentially have some big games as both teams kind of look to get the get their running backs involved to see if they can at least get a little bit more of their uh, offenses on track um, after kind of a good week for Carolina and a rough week for Arizona the week previous. Yeah, definitely. So 
is there anything you want to plug before you head off? Yeah, I mean, we just have our uh, everything that we do is mostly Arizona Cardinals related. I know we get sometimes we'll get more people who listen to as we kind of start doing more draft season and other previews that we'll have for kind of some of the prospects. Um, but most of the work that we'll find on the Arizona Cardinals will be on revengeofthebirds.com. And I'm on Twitter at Blake Murphy seven. Uh, for the most part, everything I do is kind of more cards related there. Uh, it, it's easier when you can kind of focus on one team to take account of and know in depth versus trying to know everything about everything going on in the NFL. But if you've got any interest or anything, just drop me a line. It's always happy to kind of talk or reminisce. Uh, we're always happy to complain about the old Ryan Lindley playoff games and other playoff days and the <laughs> Carson Palmer Panthers performance, at least as long as, uh, as long as you don't mind the 2008 uh, Jake DeLome games, at least. So we've had kind of a fun couple of blows back and forth, it seems like, over the past few years as uh, Cardinals and Panthers fans in the NFC. Yeah, for sure. So once again, that's Blake Murphy. Blake Murphy 7 is where you can find him on Twitter. Thank you for joining us tonight, Blake. Oh, my pleasure. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.